Hi, my name is Logan Ferris. Uh, I uh, am a proud teacher in A42, where I serve with Fred and Amy Pratt on Sundays here at First Baptist Keller. And so happy to bring uh, a lesson from the book of Luke uh, as we've been studying. Uh, We'll be in chapter 20, uh, if you'd like to find your way uh, to that with us. You know, as we've been studying Luke, uh, it's it's very interesting. Uh, We are amidst the buildup of Jesus uh, approaching Jerusalem. He is now in Jerusalem and is really building up to what we know as Good Friday and then the wonderful resurrection on Sunday morning. And, and as we look at Luke uh, during this quarter, you know, it really has stood out to me how you know the truth that ignoring God and the gospel puts anyone at significant danger of judgment. And I think that will be paramount to see in our lesson this week. Consequently, accepting the gospel can provide forgiveness for all who trust Jesus. And so the, the, the Bible, as Pastor Keith often says, all points to Christ. And, and we certainly see that today. We also learn that uh, as we study Jesus's ministry and just also God's word, that uh, we learn that there are no such things as consequences with regards to God's plan. Um We've seen that he's encountered blind, the sick, the lost, all for his purpose. They were not chance encounters. Last week we studied uh, the encounter with Zacchaeus. That was not a chance encounter, nor was the germination and the growth of the tree that he climbed. It was all for God's purpose. Uh, Palm Sunday we read about the donkey colt uh, and that was made available in the city and, and that that was not a coincidence. And it was exactly as Jesus described when the disciples found it. And so when we see even in in lessons leading up and we read the Bible, we see the clearing of the temple when Jesus cleared the money changers out, again, not by coincidence. But nor was the mocking and the challenging of the religious leaders and those that sought to disrupt Jesus's ministry, again, all for his plan, all for his will. And we see that again today when we look in Luke chapter 20. Uh, you know, Jesus has really taught us about the kingdom in looking at parables and, and, and teaching us uh, about what the kingdom really means. And so we'll see that today. So let's first look in Luke chapter 20. Uh, let's read through the first eight verses of that chapter. If you'll follow along. Begins in verse one. It says, one day as Jesus was teaching the people in the temple courts and proclaiming the good news, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, together with the elders, came up to him. Tell us by what authority you are doing these things, they said. Who gave you this authority? He replied, I will also ask you a question. Tell me John's baptism. Was it from heaven or was it of human origin? They discussed it amongst themselves and said, If we say from heaven, he will ask us, Why didn't you believe him? But if we say of human origin, all the people will stone us because they are persuaded that John was a prophet. So they answered him that they don't know where it was from. We don't know. Jesus said, neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. And I think that's an important lead into our, our lesson today. Uh, as we can tell from each of the Gospels, uh, that the, uh, the encounter with the religious leaders challenging Jesus' authority Uh, seems to have moved straight into the parable of the tenants that we'll study today. But we see that in verses 5 and 6, the 
religious leaders were debating amongst themselves and were, were discussing. And they, as Jesus always gave a perfect answer, they had no reply uh, to his answer. And then we see in verse 8, Jesus' response, his refusal to acknowledge his authority uh, to them and to identify it. But he moves immediately into a familiar parable. And so he's he turns at this point, I envision Jesus turning his attention from uh, the religious leaders and their accusations and challenge to his authority. And he turns to the crowd and he begins to teach, as we often see that he did. And we pick up in verse 9 there. He went on to tell the people this parable. A man planted a vineyard, rented it to some farmers, and went away for a long time. At the harvest time, he sent a servant to the tenants so that they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the tenants beat him and sent him away empty-handed. He sent yet another servant, but that one also they beat and treated shamefully and sent away empty-handed. He sent still a third, and they wounded him and threw him out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, What shall I do? I will send my son, whom I love. Perhaps they will respect him. But when the tenants saw him, they talked the matter over. This is the heir, they said. Let's kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. So they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and kill those tenants and give the vineyard to others. When the people heard this, they said, God forbid. Jesus looked directly at them and asked, Then what is the meaning of that which is written? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces. Anyone who falls on it will be crushed. The teachers of the law and the chief priests looked for a way to arrest him immediately because they knew he had spoken this parable against them, but they were afraid of the people. So we see this encounter between the religious leaders, the crowd as, as part of the uh, audience that was there. And again, after the religious leaders had challenged Jesus's authority, he brought forward this parable of the vineyard, parable of the tenants. And so if we think for a moment and we look through that passage, um, our, our commentator and, and Bible scholars quickly identify that the man in the parable represents God and the vineyard uh, likely represents Israel or God's people. Even today, it could represent the church. Those stewards or those tenants of the, uh, of the vineyard could represent the religious leaders who were in charge of Israel, in charge of God's people. And we see the servants that came that were thrown out would represent the prophets, the many times that, uh, that God had reached out to try to turn his people from their wicked ways, uh, only to be stoned and rejected. And then obviously it's easy to identify that the son in this parable would represent Jesus. And so in each of these cases, we have to look and think about how this would reflect on even situations that we would encounter today. Uh, as we as we consider uh, the interaction that was there, uh, the man God in him, you know, in the, in that image uh, was rightfully um, entitled to to requesting the fruit in this case. And when resisted uh, by sinful men, uh, he was long patient. He sent one prophet, one messenger after another, and yet each were turned away. So I have to pause there and wonder as we apply with that today is how are God's ambassadors treated today? 
When God sends you an ambassador, which could be through our church staff, it could be through the word itself, it could be through a, uh, a fellow believer, uh, as they're sending word to you, particularly if it's word of correction or word of redirection, uh, how do we respond? Um, how do we respond when God reaches out through his ambassadors in the workplace or when we are that ambassador in the workplace and we feel rejected or in the political arena or in the public square, uh, not to mention our neighborhoods and even our local churches. So this is, I think this parable is still very uh, applicable uh, today. You know, God still expected the stewards to honor him. Uh, he had a right as the owner of the vineyard in this story uh, to demand and expect his return in the form of the fruit. Um, but it, it does pose a, a rhetorical question when you look at, uh, especially in verse 13, of how do we respond to the continuing disrespect uh, by the stewards? Uh, God, thankfully, is long patient with his people, and, and certainly so. And ultimately, uh, we celebrated just weeks ago that his his patience is greatly manifested in the sending of his son. You know, God sent his son knowing that the world would reject and ultimately crucify him. And Jesus came not just to be a representative of God, but to die on a cross in order to atone for human sin and to make forgiveness and salvation possible. We see in Romans chapter 3, verse 25, later in the New Testament, that God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. And so Romans chapter 3 really talks about God's patience with man there and that even though man responds sinfully and in rebellion to him, he is long patient and he's made a way through Christ. So I think it's also important to note here uh, that uh, in the parable, as the farmers, as the tenant farmers um, recognized and saw the sun approaching the vineyard, that really kind of a couple of things took place there, that the religious leaders uh, not only were offended by and, and took as an insult from Jesus, but it was a way of Jesus once more in the week, what we know of as Passion Week, forecasting and 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 foretelling uh, his death you know first of all we see that as the as the farmer's son approaches the stewards discussed amongst themselves and and really began to conspire about what they should do and that if the owners continued demands continued that if they just killed the heir then they would be able to do what they want with the land and would inherit it I find it interesting that just a few verses prior to that, that when posed with the question about Jesus's authority, um, there was a visual picture of them putting their heads together and conspiring and trying to come up with the response. They certainly did recognize the air from afar and their greed overtook them. Their desire for power overtook them both in the parable and we could also expect to see that the religious leaders were experiencing similar uh, sinful thoughts. And then they plotted to kill the heir, and so they plotted to murder. Uh, we know on this side of the cross and on this side of uh, the full word of God that these exact things took place in real time in just a few days after this event. 
where we saw the con- the conspiring of the religious leaders. We saw that they recognized Jesus uh, likely for who he was and that he was a prophet, but didn't accept his message, didn't accept uh, his um, authority, and they ultimately plotted to kill him. They rejected the father's demands both in the story and in real life during that time. And they took the son's life. And the response we see in verse 15, the latter half of 15, what will the owner do to them? I can envision Jesus proposing this even to the crowd and calling upon their sense of justice. And the response back was simple, that he will come, that there will be no ambassadors coming. I think this is something that we can expect uh, at the end of time, when when God calls uh, the time, and and we know that the um, the trumpet sounds in His second coming, that He will come. That at this point He will not be sending messengers, and that God Himself will come, and there will be no more ambassadors. And that those that are uh, rejecting Him, in, in the case of the tenant farmers here, and those that reject His gospel, will face judgment. And the vineyard will be given over to others. Uh, My studies looking, the vineyard could be representative of Israel. It could be representative of the church. Uh, Those that that it would be given over to could likely be the disciples and uh, those that would uh, follow in belief and faith and, and that the authority would be taken from the religious leaders at the time and given over to the disciples. So I think this, this parable or this story uh, makes an interesting point that uh, the tenant farmers and the condition of the tenant farmers surely illustrates the corruption of people and mankind and that we are uh, sinners in need of a savior. The owner's actions, we see the owner of the vineyard and we can also see that how much God cares for his people. It's easy uh, to see the vengeance of the, the vineyard owner and that he is going to kill the tenant farmers. And sometimes it's hard for us to recognize and remember that he sent multiple ambassadors, multiple prophets, even his own son, to bring redemption to people. But we also see the owner's wrath and that it is a warning of God's judgment, that our God is a just God and, and he expects uh, obedience and has brought a way of forgiveness. And so we can pull from this parable even today that, uh, that we should respect God. Believers expressing their faith in Jesus Christ and worshiping him uh, and following him show respect to God, show respect uh, to him rightfully so. But we also see God's love that is limitless, uh, ultimately um, manifested in God's sacrifice with his sending his son for a means of salvation. But we also see in this story Uh, the reality of God's judgment, that ignoring the gospel results in judgment and comes at a cost to those that reject him. After the parable, we see Jesus begin to to encounter the the crowd and as well as the religious leaders. And so again, we have have two groups that just as we have found uh, throughout Christ's ministry, there were a variety of people that were following Jesus. Some wanted to just see a show. They were there for... Uh, the glitz and the glamour, and and had no uh, understanding of the kingdom work that was going on. Some followed Jesus, rightfully so, and had an appetite for the kingdom and were following in faith. But there was also a group that followed him that sought to mock him, to tease him, to distract him, and ultimately to bring charges to him. And so God's judgment on his people that 
uh, who reject him is also uh, very evident here. In his response in verse 17, Jesus responds and uses uh, a reference from Psalm 118, talking about uh, the stone that was rejected by the builders uh, after rejected became the cornerstone. And so this would really resonate with the people of the day uh, from a construction standpoint and also just from an understanding there uh, that setting the cornerstone of any building or any structure was a key point, just like it is today. Having a strong foundation is the start to everything. But we see here that he is using this analogy that the religious leaders rejected that stone that God then builds his kingdom on. And so God's judgment on the people who reject him, his anointed one, and reject ultimately Jesus Christ, uh, comes with judgment. And so the scribes and the chief priests we see here were angered. They plotted to destroy him. And certainly this was an accelerant uh, to begin the process that ultimately led in the illegal trial that took place and then, uh, you know, in encountering Pilate and everything that we know of the Good Friday story leading up to the resurrection on the third day uh, was not only a part of Jesus's parable, but was also playing out before the, 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 the disciples and those that were watching just as Jesus had foretold throughout his ministry. So as I think of this parable, you know, I have to wonder even today, why would someone reject the cornerstone? Why would someone reject Christ? If you'll turn with me, let's look over in Luke chapter 9. So this is earlier in our quarter. I believe it was even back in the fall when we were looking, working through Luke. But in Luke chapter 9, verses 21, starting in 21, we see one of Jesus' many predictions of his death. And so in Luke 9, verse 21, Jesus strictly warned them not to tell anyone. And he said, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed on the third day. He must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. So again, we see an example here, uh, not only that humanity is without Christ is condemned. But we see in Luke chapter 9 that God so loved us all that he sent his son to not just die, but to die a horrible death on the cross for us, but more importantly, to be overcome death itself and to be raised on the third day. And even today, those that refuse or deny themselves, uh, deny Christ, run the risk of judgment. And so our cornerstone, certainly in this parable and in real life, is Jesus Christ himself. And we realize that by accepting Jesus in faith, we gain the gift of salvation. And we see in chapter 9 also of Luke, verse 23, he went on to say, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and pick up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. And so we see there Jesus himself sharing with us that as believers, we must deny ourselves and pick up our cross daily. As I look back and I see the struggle and the sinful nature and the conspiring and the murder and the sin that was committed by the religious leaders, I can't help but reflect on this encouraging word from Christ himself 
that they were not willing to deny themselves. They were uh, focused on their status and on their position, on their control and their influence, and did not recognize God for who he was, even after many, many patient callbacks and and opportunities to respond uh, with a a contrite heart. They continued uh, in their hatred for him, even to the point of, of murdering him on a cross. And so as we look this week, uh, certainly we're on, uh, you know, we recognized Easter uh, some weeks ago and saw that. But I think even today, when we look at this, these days building up to Jesus's trial, um, his beating, his uh, death, and ultimately, thankfully, his resurrection, we have to recognize that that God's judgment is certainly uh, real. And then, as I said in the beginning of today's lesson, that ignoring God and the gospel puts people in danger of facing judgment from a wrathful God. But by accepting the gospel, it can provide forgiveness for all who trust him and follow Jesus by picking up their cross daily. So thank you for your time, and let me close us in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the many blessings you've given us, Lord. Just thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is as timely today as it was at the time of the hearers when you spoke it. Help us to always accept you. Help us to always be uh, courageous and respond to your calling to follow your will. And I just pray, Lord, that we would each deny ourselves and pick up our cross daily and follow you. Give us the strength to do so and forgive us where we fail you. And thank you most of all for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.